You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open. <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, though, man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. Tua, shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Got it. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of again. the game. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, we want to hear from you. It's a mailbag episode. We haven't answered your questions in a while, so we're going to get to a whole bunch of them. Plus, Raheem Mostert and Jerome Baker had media availabilities on Tuesday. We'll recap those and talk about their games and their fits in this current system. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. Caroline takes us right into it. We're going to hear from both Raheem and Jerome Baker, but I want to hear from you guys right now. Let's go ahead and start with at Jason underscore Sarni. You all know who he is. Big time Dolphins fan. What's up, Jason? With the Dolphins secondary, very flexible with players who can play the boundary slot or even safety duties, which defensive back is the ultimate Vic Fangio chess piece? To me, I think the beautiful part about this question is that the answer is multifaceted and that's what opposing offensive coordinators are going to have to try to figure out on a weekly basis I look at this team both offensively and defensively primarily defensively as really able to adapt their game plan to attack that specific opponent for that specific week and man there are bullets all throughout the chamber for different types of attacks you can potentially deploy but I think about several names when you ask this question the obvious answer is Jalen Ramsey who Think about Minka Fitzpatrick. I know we don't like thinking about him much on this podcast, but think about his role in the Alabama defense back when he was there under Nick Saban, where it basically was, let's put Minka in the most frequent position where the ball is going to be. That's what you saw with Ramsey uh, for the Los Angeles Rams last couple of years, where he would align basically on their best pass catcher, regardless of their position. And it kind of reminds me of like what the Patriots used to do, you know, with Darrell Revis when they had him or even, you know, JC Jackson when he was in his prime with the Patriots or all the great corners they've had there. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, the obvious one that I forgot that for some reason, like go cover Travis Kelsey, go cover Christian McCaffrey. That's how you dictate targets at your best guy. They're not going to ignore their best pass catcher, but to do it, you're going to have to go through our best and throw at him. So Jalen Ramsey is the obvious answer. Plus he just... He does so much so well from so many spots. I also think about Cater Kohu playing both inside and outside. I don't know if he's the same mold in terms of that weapon you're talking about here, Jason, but I do believe that he can play both positions inside or outside. And his tackling down around the line of scrimmage is going to be a very, very valuable skill set for this defense. He's got versatility. He's got toughness. He is the right kind of kid uh, for this Vic Fangio defense. And I know you're asking this out of curiosity, but I also know that you know that I know you know that I'm going to mention your boy Nick Needham. Super versatile, super valuable. I think he's the ultimate depth piece in the secondary. Called upon as a starter uh, really throughout the course of his career. But in that like backup primary role, I think it's perfect for him because you don't get a huge drop-off when you lose a guy like an Xavier Howard or a Jalen Ramsey at those starting spots. 
Then you think about the safety position, and I think it really begins with just us having defensive backs, not necessarily corners and safeties. Like So many guys have these interchangeable skill sets, and what I keep thinking about and getting pumped up about is the possibility of like third and eight, and we're going to go ahead and put Wilkins, Chubb, Phillips, Ogba, maybe David Long, maybe it's Zach Sealer, whatever you have up front as your rush package, and then your nickel or dime defense with five or six DBs, you just put all six of those guys at the sticks and have them key the quarterback and say, if you want to run by us, you can try that. It's going to take you more time than you have with our pass rush. If you throw a short, we're going to try to jump around, and that's how we're going to get takeaways on you with guys like X and Ramsey and Javon and Cam Smith with eyes in the quarterback, and then maybe someone like Cater and Brandon Jones to come up and help tackle on those short throws. Like, have mercy, man. Let's go. Is it September yet? Great question, Jason. Normally we have a one question per customer rule, but I'll allow this here since it's almost exclusively a mailbag episode. At Bluefin Tua, let's just go ahead and rip through these. Number one, is Wilkins extension still in the works? Uh, Chris Greer has said many times that yes, they are in communication with Wilkins representation. Number two, how will the offense adapt to how teams were playing in the middle of the field last year? I can't wait to find out myself because I don't know. I'm not I'm not devising the, you know, the offensive game plans, but it's not like they're just going to stop doing it. They dominated that area of the field last year, except for like two games, but run game and more short yardage options in the passing game really help expand the field and force you to play more blades of grass on defense and play closer to the line of scrimmage, which accomplishes what you're talking about. I think a better run game and having guys like Higgins, having Ezukama, having Berrios, having A-Chain in the passing game will go a long way towards that. Number three, will Jason Sanders have any competition for his job? Guess we'll find out. As of this taping, he's the only kicker on the roster, and I still I still believe in Jason Sanders. Number four, how are Brandon Jones and Nick Needham doing with their recovery? Don't have access to that kind of stuff. Sorry about that, but I did see both guys have shared their workouts on Instagram, and they look good. So there you go. Uh, at FenceFan47, A-Chain's the highest drafted running back for Miami since Kenyon Drake. What's your view on his role his first year here in Miami? The way I see it is you have a luxury at that position where if he gets it right away, that's great because to me, he has, I think, the most talent in the running back room from a, a vision and speed and find the cutback lane skill set and the ability to bounce off tackles even at his size. But I think you have the luxury to let him kind of grow into a role here and, and define what that role might be for himself as we go along because you have Raheem Mostert, who I think is a really good fit in this offense, because you have Jeff Wilson, who this coaching staff obviously loves. Uh, Savon Ahmed is a really good special teams and third, fourth running back option you have here as well. And then Miles Gaskin's back too. But I think that while A-Chain kind of figures out, you know, what the NFL is all about, you have that luxury of waiting on him. But I do think it'll be Raheem and Jeff early on. And then I think as we go along, I could see A-Chain not just becoming like a 1B option, maybe even your 1A option as the year goes along. Plus, his prowess in the passing game could be a factor as well. I think he could play some potential receiver positions for you. He also returns kick, so he has all the ability in the world to carve out whatever role he wants in his rookie season. Next one, at Sobel Cards. Is A-Chain a zone scheme fit? Did he run in that system in college? Here are his pro football focus career splits, 251 uh, runs in zone schemes and 118 runs in gap schemes. So he's got more experience running zone. And just watching the tape, there's lots of inside zone on that A&M tape. Of course, my favorite run on his entire college tape is the first touchdown run against LSU last year. It's a prime example of him hitting a big play against outside zone. I put it on my Twitter timeline a few posts ago. Go check it out. That is like 
to me, that play is why you drafted him here in Miami. That creates so much more attention, like I talked about in the previous question, in the short area of the field to open up space for guys like Tyreek and Jalen. Next question, at JTwin17, I'm intrigued by the signing of UDFA punter Michael Turk. Did he have any experience in college as the holder on field goals? Want to make a quick note, first off, that we do not have any official signings yet from UDFAs. None of those contracts are done and signed, sealed, delivered, all that fun stuff. Got to go through physicals and all that things, all that stuff as well. So reported punter acquisition, Michael Turk. So I had to go look this up because, quite frankly, it's never something I would have thought to ask. But most punters do handle the holding duties. And the reason for this, if you didn't know, where it used to be quarterbacks, the the second quarterback on the roster, the depth chart, used to do the holding for the kicking. A long time ago, coaches became, you know, smart in this regard and decided to have their quarterback spending time holding kicks was a waste of time, a waste of resources. And since specialists have all that downtime during practice – in between special teams, you know, portions of practice, why not have the guy who's chilling with the kicker and the long snapper be the one that makes up the battery? So usually it's that way. I went to YouTube and found a, I looked up Oklahoma field goals uh, on YouTube. And sure enough, there is Michael Turk flipping the ball to the kicker on a fake field goal. So he has a touchdown pass on the resume in addition to punting and holding field goals. Next one at Tominic one. When is Emery Hunt going to tell us about the UDFAs in the podcast? Great question. I think we're going to have Emery on the March, rather, is it March? May 16th episode. We have an episode on Tuesday, May 16th uh, with him and the UDFAs, I believe, media availabilities. We're going to recap Rookie Minicamp on the Monday episode on the 15th. So my plan is to record that podcast with Emery here soon and then roll it out for you guys on Tuesday, May the 16th. There you go. Let's go ahead and take a break right there and come back on the other side and get to more of your questions ahead of hearing from Raheem Moster and and Jerome Baker. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. It's a Wednesday afternoon here, recapping media availabilities coming up here in just a second, but I want to go ahead and get right back into your questions here on the Twitter mailbag. I put out the call at Wingfield NFL. You guys respond. I put a whole bunch of questions in this week, including this one here from at Miguel Bahamas. I know it's early, but are there any clear avenues to pick up extra 2024 draft capital? At the moment, we do not have third and fourth round selections. So that's an interesting question, and we obviously won't know you know, much until probably around cut down time. You could get summer activity. It's not very frequent that it happens. Uh, OTAs can, I, I suppose, can create some activity. But the roster is always a work in progress. So rest assured that Chris Greer, if there's a move to be made, is going to make it. But what I look at here is the fact that this is going to be the toughest roster to make in some time for the Miami Dolphins. I talked about them being the second best roster in the NFL on the show yesterday. Uh, it, it was tough to make last year. I think it's even better this year. But when you get into those early September days and you're finalizing the 53-man roster, like we see this every year, right? Guys make the team, then you get veteran acquisitions, and all of a sudden the original 53-man roster changes. So with that in mind, I, I think you look at the positions of depth, and there, to me there are two right now for the Dolphins. Actually, probably three to be honest with you. Wide receiver is a super crowded room, right? And that's a good thing, a, a good problem to have. It's not a problem at all, actually. Maybe that's a move you make down the line where you can add some draft compensation in return. 
because, you know, let's say, obviously, Tyreek and Jalen 1-2 is pretty well spoken for. What if Ezukama clearly establishes himself as a 3 and Berrios is a good 4 for your returns, you know, specialist stuff and also the, uh, you know, one-on-one matches we talked about in terms of short yardage and just being a guy that can win those one-on-ones inside. What if, you know, Chosen Anderson carves out a role for himself? You have options there at the receiver position, so maybe a guy like Cedric Wilson can bring back a draft pick. I don't know. That's just an option I can think about when you talk about that spot. I think the cornerback position, if Cam Smith hits the ground running in the way that you hope he does as a second-round pick, like let's say you come out of training camp saying, I need Cam Smith on the field for 60 snaps a game, that would make the cornerback group pretty deep, and maybe a team needs a, you know, I don't know who it might be, a Nick Needham, maybe it's a, a Trill Williams what if it is an Xavier Howard? Like, what if you decide that that's the move you can make because you don't feel a drop off from him to Cam Smith? Like, I'm just spitballing. There are options out there. Those are some of the ones I think you think about. And then at the edge group, too, that position is so deep. You know, the obvious name there would be like an Emmanuel Ogba if Phillips and Chubb are going to play all your damn snaps off the edge and you feel good about Malik Reed and Andrew Van Ginkle and you can get a you know high draft pick for Emmanuel Ogba because he's a great player. That would make some sense, too. And then, you know, the running back position maybe is, is one where you can get a late round draft pick if someone, you know, beats somebody out and you have a really good competition there all summer long. Like, you look at the roster, anyone, any spot there's a first or second year player that pushes for time, if they earn that time, all of a sudden you could have a decreased workload from a veteran, which could then spark, I guess, a trade market. But those are some guys that I would look at as potential options. At Morasante. From an analytics point of view, who, uh, what do you think are the best free agents available for the positions of need? Well, again, what are the positions of need? I think offensive lines is where you start. Uh, that's really it to me, that and defensive line depth. So seventh round offensive tackle means you could still explore that area, right? Like Ryan Hayes does not come in here and solidify a position for you, just like any seventh round draft pick would not do that. I like a couple of guys out there. Cameron Irving, we, we heard about the visit he had with the Dolphins. He's an intriguing player. He only played 14 snaps last year, played 348 pass block snaps in 2021 and allowed 31 pressures, so not great. Isaiah Wim is another guy whose name jumps off the free agent list to me. He's been pretty consistent with a career 94.5 pass block efficiency, 17 pressures last year on 229 pass blocking snaps, also has guard flexibility. He could be an option there. Again, Devin A. Chain, the third round. Imagine he's going to have a decent role on the team this year. Uh, Smith in the second round, same thing with the DB. So I just don't know if those are needs any, anymore after the draft. Uh, and then defensive line is the one that I really think, you know, Puna Ford is a name that really leaps off the page. He's a monster. He has over 3,000 career snaps in five seasons, and that comes with 112 run stops and 103 QB pressures. Really good player. And at linebacker, I never really got that one, to be honest with you guys. Like, between Long, Baker, Riley, and Tyndall, I think you're pretty well set there. Next one, from at Southwest Florida underscore Fence fan. Outside of uh, Fleming and Lawan, are there any other free agent offensive linemen out there you want to target? Well, for the sake of the shout out, I wanted to get your name out here. Uh, you mentioned, I mentioned Irving and Wynn. You mentioned Lawan and Fleming. Uh, Eric Fisher is out there. He was with the Dolphins last year. So was Brandon Shell, who I thought played really admirably uh, considering he was an in-season acquisition. George Fant is a guy I've always liked. Really good athletic and size profile there and played in a similar system with the Jets last season. So those are some names to look at. Isaiah Wynn, I think, is top of my target list there for the Miami Dolphins. At GS Camp, great work finding out Ryan Hayes won basketball player and pitcher of the year. That's a worthy nugget. Yeah, you bet. I think those... 
multi-sport athletes, that's the way to go for me. I think it teaches you more muscle memory, more flexibility, just more overall athletic ability that winds up benefiting you in whatever sport you go in. And how about the fact that his mom's a Hall of Fame hooper at Central Michigan University? Pretty cool. His dad played ball and so did his brother too. So a family of athletes there uh, with the Hazes. Next one here. Last one here. CJ Crosta. What is the Dolphins' vision at tight end? I thought they wanted to draft a tight end who can block, but confused on the draft pick. Are we strictly going to be running three wide receiver sets? Well, the Dolphins didn't tell you that. I know I know that for sure, so I'm not sure where that comes from. But uh, you tell me. We'll find out. I think Eric Sauber has a chance to be a good blocker. Dermis Smythe has been adequate in that role for, for a couple of years now. Um, I love the idea of having Higgins and Connor as these potential high upside conversion guys. I'm a huge fan of Higgins' tape, and I think that Connor had a great camp last year. So between both those guys, I feel like one's going to hit. And to me, I think Higgins is going to hit, man. I'm really into his game. As for the three wide receiver sets question, maybe, maybe not. I mean, last year they ran three receiver sets at the fourth lowest rate in the NFL, just 45%. And so uh, we'll see. I mean, they have they have depth at all. Really, receiver and running back are so deep that you could you could argue, you know, going out there in plenty of sets that have two of each, three receivers, two backs. Like, you've got options, man. And then also, I think Sobert and Smythe will play a lot. I think Higgins could play a lot as well as a rookie. Uh, so we'll see. Good stuff, guys. Let's go ahead and take our last break right there and come back and talk about Raheem Mostert and Jerome Baker and hear from them at their media availabilities. That's next on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. So I have some material here before we hear from both Raheem and Jerome that I want to discuss the two players that we've got here on the podcast and first, we start with Raheem Mostert. And going back to last season, it was my opinion that Chase Edmonds would be the guy. I loved that signing. I thought his explosiveness, his passing game prowess, the way he operates. I just thought they were all great fits. And I thought that we saw plenty of flashes of that, the drop passes notwithstanding. But the more the year went on, and of course, the decision to bring in Jeff Wilson when Chase was traded, we saw Raheem really take ownership of the offense and be that really top back. It's part of what makes me so excited for A-Chain. The combination of speed and decisiveness, I think, really matters maximizes how this passing game operates. The speed to the perimeter stresses the defense so much, and it truly does become a pick-your-poison type of deal. Like, do I crash the edge and sell out to make sure Raheem can't open it up and get, you know, 20 yards on us? Or do I hesitate and make sure that I see that neither 10 nor 17, Tyreek and Jalen, is about to replace my vacated space when I go all out to get 31 to the ground? It's a conflict defenders have to ask themselves on every single play where the run and pass are both in play. How about this? Running around the edge for Raheem Mostert last year, either end or tackle from Pro Football Focus, 88 rush attempts, 451 yards. That's 5.13 yards per carry. Since I brought him up and we're still inside of a week post-draft, Devon A. Chain last year in college, 109 attempts around either edge for 769 yards. That's good for 7.06 yards per carry. And when I look at these runs, I think the best part about them is that it puts fast players in one-on-one situations in space, right? It's not jamming it between guard and center and asking your back to power through a 250-pound linebacker or the potential 330-pound nose tackle who just shed a block. You isolate the force defender off the edge, often in a position where they are full speed and our back is full speed, and trying to hit a 100-mile-an-hour fastball with a full swing is tough, and that just tends to lead to more missed tackles, and I have the numbers to prove it. On those edge runs last year, A-chain, 109 attempts, right? Of his 53 missed tackles forced, 39 came off runs from the edge. That's 74% of his missed tackles forced. For Raheem Mostert, 21 of his 39 is good for 54%. 
Put your guys in position to succeed. That's what we're talking about here. Let's go ahead and talk about Jerome Baker. They'll go come back and do Raheem's media and then Jerome's as well. You know, looking at his career to date, the usage, what Broncos linebackers were asked to do three years under Fangio. I wanted to look at that because while yes, there is a bit of a pattern, you also got a big curveball in 2021 that demonstrates that utilizing players to their strengths over just shoehorning your scheme into the pieces and hoping it works. So Broncos off-ball linebacker usage under Vic Fangio from 2019 to 2021 looks like this. In 2021, Alex Johnson blitzed 43 times. He played coverage 161 times. In 2020, he was the top blitzer again with 145 pass rush snaps, 102 more than the previous season, and Josie Jewell also had 80. Jewell was the top coverage guy that year with 545 snaps, a huge departure those two years. Completely different approaches and attacks. 2019 was more like 2020. Johnson had 100 blitzing snaps, and Todd Davis led the team in coverage from linebackers with 525, and AJ also played 377. So for Jerome Baker the last three years, here are his pass rush snaps. 112 last year, 156 the year prior, 135 the year prior to that. And coverage last year, more coverage, right? Because less pass rush. 577, 2021, he played 450 coverage snaps, and in 2020, 430 coverage snaps. So what does that all mean? It means that Jerome has played in a similar defensive scheme for the last three years. Well, four, actually. It means that he's a three-down player who plays forward and back, and it typically means that he can run. A guy with that type of responsibility can usually run. And so I'm wondering, how are the best ways they can utilize Jerome's speed? That I can't give you an answer on just yet, but I think that we need the tape before we can make any claims there. But I do think that David Long really compliments Jerome Baker and that he can open up that speed, that Long can be the one that goes in there and cleans up the mess and gets through all the muck. I thought the 2020 season was Jerome's best, and a lot of that was created lanes and free runs of the quarterback based upon the scheme creating those chances for him or having him operate in space out in the curl flat where he can diagnose and play downhill out wide. I think Long is exceptional at wading through all the trash on a given play, and I think the more he can do that, the more that Jerome's freed up to run and chase Really good stuff there, I think, for Jerome's long-term future here, or I should say for this season with his usage. And then Raheem, obviously, he and A-Chain make an exciting backfield tandem to me. All right, let's go ahead and go back to the media availabilities and start here with running back Raheem Mostert. Just want to give you guys a heads up here off the top. These press conferences today were really, really good. Let's go ahead and start here with Raheem being asked about why did you return back to the Miami Dolphins after last year's one-year contract expired? Uh, one of the biggest things for me is uh, my family. So, um, you know, I, I plan my roots here, um, as you may know. Um, but also, you know, I just want to be back in, with the team. You know, as, as far as we've gone along last year, you know, I'm, I'm itching already, especially the pieces that we've added, you know, during the offseason as well as uh, in the draft, man. You know, it's, it's a great time to be a Dolphin. Um, and, and I'm excited to, you know, help help as as much as I possibly can to get to where you know we need to get to Raheem also touched on the mentorship of Devon A chain a little bit I'll go ahead and leave that off the podcast here you can find these press conferences in their entirety up on the team YouTube channel and I'm going to come back with a later question where I followed up with Raheem asking about what can Devon do to really you know I guess, win Coach Studisville over in that running back room. Let's go ahead and go forward here, though, to how nice was it to see Jeff Wilson brought back in addition to having you come back, your former teammate with the Niners and last season, and really just having the whole running back room in general all back together. It was honestly, that's the most exciting thing. You know, I was having talks with uh, with Stu's about, you know, the before um, free agency, and I was like, hey, man, you know what will be nice is if 
we're able to get everybody back in this in this in this building in this room because you know the chemistry is just unmatched in any other place that I've been a part of. You know, it's there's a lot of guys in this room that you know really really want to be great. There's a lot of guys that want to go out there and, and put their best foot forward, and that just makes you. Um, and and I'm talking speaking in, in regards to me, it makes me want to go out there and, and play my best um, and, and put my best foot forward. So um, to be able to have, you know, Jeff, uh, Savon, Miles, John, Lovett, and Alec, we're all in this thing together, you know, um, it's definitely exciting and, and I just can't wait. And as promised from the previous question, what piece of advice would you give Devon A. Chain about how to get on Coach Studisville's good side? <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, the the easiest way to get on Stu's good side is uh, just be present. You know, um, when he asks you questions, make sure that you understand the question thoroughly and then and give a good response. I mean, that's that's what you want to do um, in regards to getting on, you know, Stu's good side. Um, but you know, it's all about patience and time too. You know, you got time and patience right now. Uh, to understand this offense, and and that's what that's what he needs right now is a little bit of time to to get used to everything, get acclimated on being a pro, um, and everything like that. Followed up with Raheem on that question about your number two in the offense for a lot of these guys, and it's been my theme this off season, right, to talk about how continuity can really benefit this offense heading into year number two, and for most, a guy who has played in pretty much the same system for the last several years going back to the Niners, I wanted to ask Raheem, for a guy like you, how can the offense, you know, slow down even more when it comes to reading blocks behind what was last year a new offensive line for him, and now pretty much the exact same guys coming back? Here's Raheem on that question. Was it a good question? Yeah, you know, that's a great question, Travis. Um, you know, the fact that we have this O-line um, that, you know, they they start hitting their stride towards the end of the year and then move into the offseason, um, getting his second year up under them. I mean, I prime example, I look at Connor, you know, Connor Williams. To take a, take a guy like him, you know, he moved from being a left guard um, out in Dallas um, to, you know, moving to center for the first time in his career. Um, and then having to learn his offense, making the right calls, and now I just feel like he's gonna he's gonna take himself up to another notch, it's just simply because he understands the offense a lot better. So if you got that chemistry right there. Everything starts up front. If that those guys up front, you know, can make it happen, then we're gonna be in good hands. And as of, as of right now, they're just they're all locked in, especially with Frank being being there to help them. And then we also got Butch as well. So I know Butch. I'm very familiar with Butch out in San Fran, so um, he's going to have them boys over there. You know, he's going to get them right. You probably saw the tweet about the camaraderie and the atmosphere and the energy in the locker room and throughout the team and the camaraderie, how it's been unmatched here for Raheem in his entire nine-year NFL career. Here's a follow-up for him on that, the importance of having that type of friendship with so many players on the team and it being like one big family, one big brotherhood. Here's Raheem on the benefits of a tight knit locker room. Yeah. I mean, that, that helps, you know, a tremendous amount simply because, you know, we were, um, and when I say we, I mean, I'm, I'm also alluding to, you know, Jeff Wilson, when we were um, headed to the Super Bowl down here at Hard Rock in 2019, um, the camaraderie on that team was unmatched. You know, it was something that was very special because everybody was hanging out with everybody so that's what, you know, Mike is trying to do with this team now is just trying to make sure that everybody's on the same page, you know, try to get to know your your teammates because, you know, you, you're, you're going to need them at some point during the season. So um, what better way than to start that early on? And, and that's what we're able to do right now. So 
I would just say the general theme here for Raheem's media availability and go back and check it out if you have not seen the whole thing. He's so good. He's so gracious. He says thank you and, and how's it going to every single person that asks him a question here on these calls. The last thing that I didn't put in the sound here, but I want to mention was that he said he talked to five different doctors looking for somebody to sign off on allowing him to play in the playoff game. And they all said, no, your season's over, Raheem. You're going to have to go to the shelf for the rest of the season. And I, I would say the theme behind all of this was just the excitement and how geared up these guys are for the new season here. You can feel it. It's palpable inside the building, inside these press conferences when you hear the players talk to us. Let's go next here to Jerome Baker, who spoke a lot about Vic Fangio's defense, David Long, his teammates here on this defense. Let's go ahead and start here with a question for Jerome about what excites him the most with the X's and O's from Vic Fangio's defense. Uh, It it gives me some freedom to just go out there and just play ball. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, I ask, like, what's the rule on this? And he kind of gave me, like, it's not really a rule. It's kind of, you know, go play ball. So uh, things like that for a player, you know, just to have that freedom. Um, you know, I've been playing ball for a long time. So uh, it's one of those things of, you know, I know what I'm doing. It's kind of he gave me the freedom to make a play. And I'm excited for that. Great follow-up here from Hal Hab about, can you give us an example about what exactly that means? More freedom in the defense to go make plays. Here's Jerome responding to that great follow-up question. From Hal Habib. Yeah, quick example is just simple things like alignment. You know, there's some instances it's not just an exact thing. It's kind of however you feel you can get your job done. Uh, that's like a quick example. You know, little things like that uh, for a player, it gives you a freedom of, you know, you don't have somebody looking over your back or trying to uh, make sure everything is correctly right. Some guys play a different way and uh, just that little freedom definitely helps. This next one here might be my favorite answer so far we've gotten in this offseason from Jerome Baker. He was asked about how simple it's been to integrate so many big names, so many superstar players into the locker room. And, you know, we've praised on this podcast countlessly for the number of big time names and big time contributors and star talent that puts the Dolphins in the marquee and puts them in the win column more frequently than the loss column. How do you integrate those big personalities into the locker room? Or traditionally, it's been thought that that's maybe difficult to do. But Jerome Baker says it's the type of guy they bring in, not necessarily the fact that they're just a star player. I always said this. Uh, I never told them this, but, um, you know, Mr. Greer and uh, Mike, they do a great job just getting guys that's just like they a great teammate, you know, outside of great players. Uh, they're just great people. Uh, you know, I, I had my initial thoughts are like, oh, we're getting a quote-unquote superstar. You know, how is he going to fit in the locker room where, you know, we all push each other. No matter who you are, we all push each other. Man, it's, it's no complaints at all. Like, you know, even like going back to last year when Tyree came, uh, it was like he, he pushed us to hang out with each other more, um, you know, having a Halloween party. You know, those little things of just getting your team together, he pushed it and he was all for it. He was the – the first one to say, let's play ping pong. He, you know, guys like that, uh, you know, they come into the locker room, they really help us. You know, same thing with Chubb. Like those, these guys come in and they just really want to be a part of the team. They really want to win. And, uh, you know, it, it truly just helps the locker room as a whole. Couple more here for Jerome Baker. I wanted to ask him about playing behind guys like Raekwon and mostly Zach and Christian and how they make his job easier. Speaking of the freedom to play in the defense, how do those guys make the job for Jerome Baker a lot easier? I mean, those guys, they're tough. They're team players. um, And they have the ability to make plays on their own. You know, 
playing behind those playing behind those guys for a few years now, you kind of know what each player's strengths are, um, with some things that they don't really do. Um, you know, when I play behind Raekwon, it's a lot different when I play behind Christian. When I play behind Christian, it's a lot different than Sila. Like those guys are kind of different in their own way. Um, and just being just like with any sport, you know, being around a guy and playing with the guy for so long, you kind of figure out what they like and what they like to do. Um, I know sometimes Christian's just going to shoot the gap and make the play. You know, Raquan is just going to clog it up. Like all these guys have different roles and different ways they play the game. And, you know, it's my job as a linebacker to make them right and definitely getting a great feel for that. And this defense, it allows me to do, you know, other things now. So definitely excited. I think y'all are going to love this one. What are your early impressions of new teammate David Long? Man, I, he fits right in. You know, his personality, everything he does, he fits right in. Um, I'm excited. You know, he, he came in and he just strictly just wanted to work and um, just get each other better. And, man, he's been doing that. Communication has been on point. Um, so I'm excited. You know, right now it's it's easy. There's no – nobody's uh, playing against us. So, but, you know, for now it's definitely working out. And I'm excited, man. He, he's one of those guys that – it's not this or that. It's kind of let's just talk through it and figure it out, and uh, it's definitely working out. If my theme this offseason for the offense was second-year continuity and the improvement that comes from the incumbents for the second-hand nature knowledge of the offense, on defense, it's the shift to more eyes in the quarterback and a secondary full of ball hawks. So Jerome Baker was asked about how playing a little more zone looks, how this defense in general can maximize the talent they have here from a personnel standpoint. Uh, I think the main thing is it gives us a chance to really disguise and um, kind of make plays. Uh, I'm not going to say our last defense I've been on, we can make plays, but it was a lot of rules. Like, this is what you have to do. This is what it has to be. This matchup has to be this matchup. There's no, uh, you know, switching with the guy or you know, talking something out. It's more, this is what it is, and this is what we're going to do. Uh, and this defense is kind of, you know, players figure it out, you know, he, there's not no set rules on how far your drop are, or, you know, this guy got to cover this guy. It's, you know, you really know the defense and apply the defense of what the offense is doing. So uh, it's a lot more freedom. There's definitely a lot more freedom. And it, for the looks of it, it's definitely a workout for us. So there you go. Fun podcast here. We always seem to find our way over 30 minutes, even though I thought it was going to be about a 20-minute show coming in. That's just what we do, baby. Uh, in the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast. Emmanuel Ogba just did that with Seth and Juice. You do not want to miss that one. Check out the team YouTube channel, Media Availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. Last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up, Caroline Cameron, Daddy. Daddy.